Hi, welcome back to the Headbangers podcast. I'm joined with Nathan. Here today, Matt, focus of Cryptopsy, host of Box and Hops podcast and craft beer enthusiast. So, how are you doing, Matt? How has like the last year been for you? It's been crazy times. Yeah, it's been crazy times, but uh, it's also been good times. I'm very lucky. I have two young children, so I've uh, had the chance to stay home with them quite a bit. I'm still working full time, but just the fact that I know that I'm home and I'm not leaving on tour. When, when you're in like a touring band, at least for myself, you go through this uh, period of before you go on tour, where you're in this preparation in your mind that you're leaving, and then you come back from a tour, you're in this process of, oh, I'm back. So there's this weird like ambivalent situation that goes on when you're a musician or someone that travels a lot for work uh, that didn't happen so I could just focus on being with the family trying to be present trying to be uh, involved and seeing them grow having a whole summer at home is extremely rare when you're in a touring band because you typically end up playing all the festivals in the summer so so that was cool obviously I miss my whole road friends my road family uh, my met tour members my my crew I miss them dearly uh, Mad shout out to uh, Mega, the Mallorcan king, my TM and sound engineer from uh, Mallorca in Europe. Uh, love him. Haven't seen him in a long time. And, uh, you know, I just hit the ground running with the podcast and just tried to conduct as many interviews as I could once I realized that everyone was home. And, you know, we're all in the same boat trying to still get their band some visibility. So I reached out to some friends and then subsequently from there, a bunch of PR people found me and started pitching me a bunch of bands. So it's been a really, really busy year for me. No, absolutely. You've definitely kept yourself busy. Um, I mean, I know that obviously as well, you collaborated on some children's books dealing with like social isolation. Um, Could you talk to us a bit more about that? Like what, what got you started in that project and do you intend to maybe do more in the future? Absolutely. Uh, I collaborate on it. It's really my wife's project and her friend Jeannie Bon, uh, they have been wanting to do something together for, for many years. Uh, they worked together uh, beforehand uh, at a place and they really clicked. So it was actually when I came back from, Cryptopsy was in a cabin in the woods when uh, last March, March 2020, when the whole coronavirus, we called it at the time, yep. before it was COVID-19 uh, and everything was shut down. So we were in a cabin in the woods and when we came home, from that five days uh, writing the new Cryptopsy record, um, my wife was like, I, I want to write a book. And, and we basically have business meetings. She's the producer of Vox and Hops, very important uh, part oh, of wow. Vox and Hops. Uh, so we have business meetings when we go for walks with the kids. That's typically how we talk out our ideas. And this is how we hashed out the idea of creating children's books. She, she had the idea with Jeannie already, but I she like bouncing the ideas off of me because I'm an early childhood educator, which is, I was mentioning that I'm still working full time. I work uh, with young children. Uh, right now I'm working with a group of four-year-olds or like three-year-olds turning four. So I'm with eight yeah. rambunctious children uh, all day long <laughs> at work. And so I used my, my expertise because I went to school for that to help create uh, a book that reflects the values that I've learned throughout my time in early childhood education. And the first book that we created was really just a reflection of what was happening in my house throughout the first three weeks of the pandemic. You know, we made a blanket fort in the hall. We uh, It was springtime coming. We were observing the, the evolution of nature. Uh, and if you look at the book, yeah, it's called Today We're Staying Home because everyone was staying home at that time. We just wanted to give like a 
a sense of normalcy to the children and to create like a dialogue piece that could spark conversations between children and um, the parents. So, so that was a, today we're staying home. And then we, while we had wrapped that one up, we were already thinking about the next one, which was Hidden Rainbow. There was this whole movement going across the States. I'm not sure if it happened in the UK or not, but uh, mm. uh, people were drawing these rainbows and sticking them on their windows. Uh, so that you could see them from the outside. So we would go out and go for walks because we live in the city and we don't have a backyard. So to get my kids to move, we go and take lots of walks. And yeah. we would play the let's find the, the next rainbow on the next house. And it became like a treasure hunt for these rainbows. And then through that, we developed it into a book where children can uh, talk about their emotions and, uh, you know, using art as a cathartic experience, even as an adult you know, a lot of us extreme metal musicians are extremely nice and kind people, but that's yeah. because we have found this outlet to let us get out all those evil, negative, <laughs> heavy thoughts. So we found that art is cathartic and you can do that through many forms of art. So that's Hidden Rainbow. That one just came out uh, in December. It took a bit of a time between the two because life happened and it's like, albums bands releasing albums sometimes it takes a little bit longer than we planned but yes there are more in the works uh, when is is once we find enough time the podcast is really taken off so so we and my wife's in school and i'm working and cryptopsy's uh, writing so so we, we will find time to do a third one we already have an idea for it we have a few ideas always so uh, we're, we're pushing forward with that I think that's like super positive and wholesome, like especially during this time, it's so relevant. And imagine like a lot of people are feeling a certain way about the situation going on. So the fact like you're spreading this positive, what positivity is just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I've always tried to be. I just, you know, positive vibes, trying, trying to share goodness in the world. And that's what Vox and Hops is. It's never about being negative or trying to get that uh, clickbait. Um, line in, in metal sucks or in metal injection. I don't want, I'm not looking to put friends in a bad place. I've interviewed people just recently. I have an episode that I hacked out a whole bunch because the artist was way too intoxicated and out of respect to him yeah. uh, and out of respect to the publicist that sent him my way. I, I didn't want him to be any of this negative stuff to come out. So, so I've always shown positivity mm -hmm. into the world and I try to do that every day. I, I put positivity out into the world and I hope that it, uh, circulates around and that uh, eventually I can get back a little bit of that that'd be amazing yeah. absolutely yeah that's incredible uh, one thing I massively respect about you is your work ethic uh, you know as you mentioned before uh, obviously you're working full-time you know you're also a family man you've also got a, a massive ginormous podcast and also an equally massive and ginormous band where do you sort of find time for it how do you kind of structure to find the time for everything Every day is calculated. Every minute of every day is organized. Um, it's it's really a struggle. And uh, up until recently, I've really been I, I had to organize time when I don't do stuff because it was getting a bit much. Uh, luckily, the band is on a moment where they're they're composing, and the way Cryptopsy works is at least for my involvement, it is that they they write the songs and then they pass them to me and then I work on them. So I have my concept. I know what I'm going to write about, but I haven't really tackled writing anything yet. So for the past year, I've been waiting for them, encouraging them. So I've had that a little bit of time. I'm very interested in the whole process and what's going on, but I, I'm not there saying, no, don't play that note, play this note. That's yeah. I trust them and I know that they know what they're doing. And then when it comes to the studio time, they trust me. And uh, we move forward like that. Unless, you know, Donaldson, my guitarist, uh, 
produces me. So he has a bit more say in everything that goes on. But <laughs> but yeah, every minute is organized. I work 40 to 45 hours a week. Uh, I recently sat down to calculate how many hours goes into a typical Vox and Hops episode. And it's anywhere from six and a half to seven hours of work for one episode. So, and that's 30 minute episodes. So I, I find the time I make it work. Uh, I've gotten really good at multitasking and uh, it's all about focus and I'm really good at doing like repetitive tasks. So I typically do the same thing every day, every week, you know, so I, like one day will be the day that I record my, my intros and outros. And then the next day is the day that I edit those and so on and so forth. And now I only have specific days that I record interviews on to to give me more of a structure but uh it's it, it's definitely a challenge and uh, i'm often very very tired and uh, well, craft, beer, craft beer is <laughs> delicious and amazing oh yeah but it, it doesn't help with the tiredness factor but uh, <laughs> i still you know I, I sort of tied in craft beer as a huge passion obviously but it's also something that helps me relax which is a good thing and a dangerous thing at the same time. But I did do sober February and that was amazing. And I, I did sleep better and I really do feel that I, I didn't struggle throughout the month. So it's not like I need the alcohol. It's just I, once I, I, I sit down, I have my couch, I'm looking at it there. Once I sit on that couch and I <laughs> crack open that beer when I'm not working, it's a happy moment. Yeah. Mm. Workout playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, I I couldn't believe how much work that you you put into it because yeah. we we like with this podcast like we underestimated how much work a podcast is like every every hour like you're going like okay um let's plan the next guest let's plan what we're gonna do for the next episode it's just it's it's a constant thing and it, I, I I'm actually like blown away as well with like how you also manage like family time as well like it's it's insane um that you work it just out. has to be organized it has to be spoken about i'm lucky that my my wife's my producer and she's very um forgiving with me <laughs> <laughs> but you know and um we each have our strengths and we keep working towards that and uh it's yeah you know and at first i released one episode a week and then it got to the point where i had two episodes a week and then the pandemic hit and I had so many interviews. I was like, well, I guess I'll do three episodes a week. And then I went back to work and I was like, okay, I'll go back to two episodes a week. And then there's times when I'm like, well, I guess it's going to be three episodes a week again, but I always <laughs> just make it work. It's, it depends on what's happening. Uh, we scheduled stuff out. Something I can suggest for you guys is really like planning months in ahead, uh, having everything organized, having, uh, like I know who my next guests are up until July. Oh wow! Just because I have it organized that way, and I know when I'm speaking to them and what time, and everything's organized that way, and I know which episodes are coming out until July as well. So I, I would suggest that. So there's that whole fear of what's going to happen next week. I, I don't like that. I quickly learned that I wanted to stack as much content as I could. And that, that was something that I learned very early on. Like I launched the podcast with 10 episodes already finished and ready. That's oh. awesome. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think for us as well, like, you know, we're starting to get a bit better with it. For example, like, you know, we do have like at least a month ahead uh, prepared with bands that we're going to interview. When we first started, we were just like, should we just message a bunch of bands, see if they want to come on? They probably, won't. and then like loads of them came back saying they wanted to come. I was like, okay, we didn't, we did not prepare for this. So <laughs> Yeah, but I think we're just starting to kind of catch our feet a bit and just like know how many people to book for this section and what we can sort of 
do with our jobs as well, you know, so it won't be too overloaded with editing time and uh, interviewing time. So I think we're on like a good streak at the moment. But yeah, it was definitely quite overwhelming when we first started. Absolutely. I, w I was lucky that, that I would just write my friends, right? It was the first hundred episodes are basically me and my friends just hanging out. So, so I was very, very lucky coming from, you know, the world of Cryptopsy and touring with so many people. It was easy. It was super easy. And, I, and especially the first 10, those are like people that I knew and I trusted. And I was not too nervous to sit down and, you know, finally be the interviewer. Yeah. As opposed to the interviewee. Absolutely. So on the board of Cryptopsy then, um, when you first debuted on the Unspoken King, um, did you feel like any pressure being like not the new, you know, you being the new vocalist of the band? And like, how do you deal with that? Because I know that you do get obviously sometimes what she said on your podcast as well that you know some people say, oh yeah, I really like your work on Unsurvival and stuff like that. So how how was the pressure like, you know, coming into it and like how did you deal with that? Oh well, I, I was completely unprepared, so I. <laughs> but the story I'm I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard it by now is that. Uh, they asked me to join the band um, because they wanted something different. I yeah. said, originally said, no, I'm going to make it on my own. I was in this band called Three Mile Scream. We were assigned to a subsidiary of Universal. There was some hype going on. It was going to, it was doing well. And then the dude that ran that band left and I like trusted him, followed him, you know, blindly for many years to a good place. He was a very good leader. A uh, shout out to Mike Marino. We're still friends to this day. And uh, he left the band. And as soon as he left the band, I picked up the I hung up the phone with him and I picked up the phone and I called back Flo and I said, are you still looking for a singer? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So so I tried out, got the got the thing. But I, I wasn't a, the ultimate Cryptopsy fan. It wasn't that Mark Wahlberg rock star movie where mm -hmm. I'm in the front row singing every grunt <laughs> with Lord Worm. And then Lord Worm passes me the microphone. It was not that. It was, you know, and it wasn't even like, the original time that they switched, you know, when it went from Lord Worm to Mike DeSalvo, Lord yeah. Worm basically hand chose DeSalvo. And then they worked together to make the, the next era happen. And they had this whole transitionary, transitory, whatever. They, they had a, a gig where they passed the torch to each other. That didn't happen this time. It was like, here's this new kid, this new singer. I had no idea what I was doing. I was still doing Three Mile Scream. I had it in my head that if I did Cryptopsy and Three Mile, Three Mile would get more attention. Uh, I could do some death metal vocals, but I definitely wasn't a death metal vocalist. And we did The Unspoken King, which came out and everybody hated. So so that took, that was hard. And I remember being in the studio just trying to do my best and having Donaldson, who was the engineer for that as well, um, making this like disgusted face and saying, yeah, yeah, it's good, but... <laughs> <laughs> he hated it. And uh, we tried. Like, I tried my best, and it took me many, many years to, to finally feel comfortable being a death metal vocalist. Like, just, it was work, just putting in the work in the jam room and on the tours and uh, pushing myself to to try to uh, learn to, to, to adapt to this new genre of extreme metal. Because I, I was a new metal child. I fell into extreme metal uh, via, you know, early on through Manson and then into Korn and then... Mm -hmm. You know, Limp Biscuit. I never really liked Limp Biscuit, but but there was some. That first album's pretty okay, and yeah. then uh, <laughs> after that they lost me a bit. You know, and then Mudvayne, and then Pantera, and then I, then I went to Pantera. You know, at that point, and then the whole new wave of American metal, the whole Lamb of God, Kill Switch Engage, and then 
that sort of transitioned over to the European in flames, the haunted, uh, that whole side of things, Arch Enemy. I was never into like Cannibal Corpse until Kill came out and I picked that up. And then I was like, oh shit, what is he doing with his voice? That's amazing. It's so clear. You understand what he's saying, but the tone is so dope. Um, that really just changed a lot. But I was never a death metal kid until I got into Cryptopsy and I sort of had to be. But that took years. It took many years. I mean, to be honest, like when I think about Cryptopsy, like my, my favorite albums are probably the ones that you starred in. So, you know, The Book of Suffering. Um, you know, I still think as well, Two Pound Torch is one of the heaviest metal songs ever created. And Sire of Sin, like they're my two favorite Cryptopsy songs. Um, so I definitely like your era of Cryptopsy the most. But in terms of the well, world, your progression into metal, like that is pretty much the same for me. Like I started off a new metal, progressed to like thrash, then it went to death metal. It's like, it's almost like a ladder that you climb up and then you just get to like the top and it's like, oh, well, I guess this is it now. I'm not going to get heavier than this. <laughs> And then you get hit by something else that's even that's more it. extreme that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. always what it is, is you don't understand it at first, but you're super intrigued and you keep going back to it. That's when you know you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, for sure. It, it was the same for me as well. Like I got into it quite late in the game. Like Brad kind of got into metal like in high school. Um, and I, I had a, another friend also conveniently also called Brad, um, who <laughs> who got into metal around when we got into like, you know, like, uh, college and, and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, uh, check out uh, this band, it's Slipknot. And it was just when they'd released, um, oh, what was the name of the album? Um, you know, The Devil and I, uh, the, the, the album The Devil and I. The, yeah, The Great Grey Chapter. The Grey yes. Chapter. Um, just as they released that, um, I, that's when I jumped into it and I, I literally like, fell into the deep end so my first ever gig was you know suffocation my yeah first, that's my voice <laughs> my, my yeah. first ever um my first ever live gig was seeing suffocation um at Iger studios <laughs> I, I love that. that it was so funny i was sat there wearing a corn shirt because i just i just kind of like transitioned into like heavier stuff but i was still like into the new metal phase so i, I had all like these og like death metal heads like kind of look at me going but then terence was there ripping his riffs and yeah oh, I, honestly it was one of the probably one of the still one of the, the best gigs i've ever been to like it was such a shock as well because they had the they had a slam band on to open and they they had cryptic shift on which is a quite a, a sci-fi death metal band and then they had well you know like were followed by a, quite a brutal like band such as like suffocation so i was there like i remember being sat there and just for sound check i mean being like what the fuck <laughs> I, <haven't laughs> heard like this before. I love them i love them they're super fun super fun humans uh suffocation i've been wanting i gotta get terrence on the show that's that's yeah, that's i've be been awesome. saying that for a while i had a moment where i was supposed to when they came through montreal but they were so late because of some stupid border thing it didn't work out but i definitely should i had on the list <laughs> that would be an awesome episode actually he'd made my day the other day I followed him on, on Instagram um, and he followed me back I was like ah <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> he's the coolest he's he's really the cool he's super fun yeah sure um, with regards to Cryptopsy and obviously your, your vocals what's like the biggest change to your vocals that you've made recently um, that you've always like kind of expanded as a musician um, as you've been in Cryptopsy Oh, absolutely. I sort of have gone backwards. And you mentioned Sired of Sin before, Brad. Uh, yeah. And it's there's like a passage in that tune where I was 
I have like this fry scream technique that I've been using a lot in Cryptopsy for since since probably since probably really uh, the self-titled with two pound torch. Yep. So I always use that voice, and then just stepping back into the recording studio when we were doing the tome two of the Book of Suffering, I was just testing out my voice, and I did like a more open uh, George esque. Uh, guttural cry and Chris was like what's that voice that's cool do, do some stuff in that so I was like okay whatever and then that became like this big part of tome two that we wished we used more of and then it has become now my Lord Worm voice so anytime I'm doing any Lord Worm I'm doing this extreme open guttural airy voice and uh, that's like the type of voice that I can do at any time like today I woke up I hosted a Thirsty Thursday yesterday um, until late uh, recording interview with Brittany Slays of Unleashed the Archers uh, with all the Vox and Hops heads that were there. And I woke up a bit dry and a bit, you know, I had a fun time last night. And uh, I was like, okay, I, I got asked to do some guest vocals for a really cool band from Australia. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Let's just do it. And I did it like in two takes. It's like a, a voice that I can just use anytime. It's like an open, really... Um, just like a, a loud roar and i love it and i use it all the time and i'm definitely going to use way way more of it on the upcoming cryptopsy record because it's mm. it's like something that i can just pull out of my pocket anytime that's so cool that like, you can just like bring out like that like because you know you get some people that they try and do the vocals and you know they have to properly warm themselves a bit but like, mm -hmm. you can just go like that yeah awesome. i'm one of those people before i do vocals i have to like properly warm up i'm not at the point where i've discovered like a voice that i can just like activate I need to like just I'll sit there for like a couple hours like doing your breathing exercises and then gradually just getting myself down to the sort of like the more throaty sort of stuff um like kind of the fry sort of stuff and then going to um quite lower stuff later on um but I always I always hate like warming up for vocals because I end up sitting there for ages like <laughs> I do I do religiously warm up and to, to go back to Terrence anytime Terrence sees me He'll go, hey, 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 and come and give me a hug, you know, before the virus. And uh, that's because I do that. I'm, I'm like a religiously warm up before every gig. But this morning I didn't. I just crawled out of bed and did some guttural vocals. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's important to warm up and it's important to, to stay in shape, especially on tour. If you're doing it every night, uh, you got to stay in shape. And it actually gets easier if you're doing it every night for some reason because the muscle memory is there and you know exactly how to – move those muscles the way it's supposed to it's not like a guitar right you can't like see your fingers and move your oh no wonder i'm playing the wrong note my fingers on the wrong fret so it's it's strange with the voice it's like a lot more imagining uh focusing uh, direction of uh, airflow uh mouth mouth positionment tongue positionment uh relaxing everything while staying super extreme and it, it takes time to focus and then you master that in the jam room and then you step onto stage and then you're out of breath and you're fucked then you gotta learn how to do that yeah yeah well, I, I remember like um i remember when i, I did tracking for um my band recently um i remember like i think we tracked vocals for about like seven hours mm -hmm. um just to get each one right and i remember there's like a cert there's a certain bit in the song where i feel like the scream could have been better but it was mm -hmm. towards the end of the day, and I was like, 
fuck it, it's a good take. <laughs> I'm not going to want to do another one. And then but now you hear it now, right? Now you hear it now, and you're like, motherfucker, I hate that take. Yeah, yeah no, because you know, I was showing Brad, and they'd be like, that section, I'd be like, I fucking hate that one section. <laughs> like, that one section, I fucking hate it. And it like, still happens to me, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was saying it's not like, like you were saying, it's not like a guitar, right, where it's like, oh, you know, I kind of fucked up that note, but you can't really hear it. You can hear it so much when it's yourself. Like, yeah. it's so, like, maddening because you, you sit there and going, that just doesn't sound as good as I want it to be. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Especially I mean, now, it's a little bit easier nowadays with, with, and I didn't experience very much of this, but I can imagine back in the day uh, when everything cost so much money to go to the studio. Mm. You know, nowadays we have much more freedom. It, it is, you know, we're basically tracking wherever the hell we want, you know, or going to a friend's house or it's, we're not renting this ginormous studio because it was the only option. Uh, but it always ended up being that the vocalist would be the last and they'd have the least amount of time because everyone else would always bust their, their allotted time for recording something. So I was like, well, you got two days to track your whole record. And that's his Martin from Asphix that told me a story such as this. So he just had to learn to be good and automatically perfect every time. So he does like full song takes and that that's what's on the record mm. to this day. How cool is that? And that, that blew my oh, mind. That's amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that because every single like section I did, I had to do at least like four times over just yeah. to be like, I like that one the better. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like it's so nerve wracking as well. Like when, when you go in and you like hype it all up and you're like, shit, look at the time. So yeah, I just I just Zen. I'm with Chris. So Chris and I we've been recording together since you know it's probably 15 years now that I've only recorded vocals with Chris. So it's 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 we have a nice relationship where it's very Zen and I mm. completely trust him. But it's always a little bit nerve-wracking that you're gonna suck. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's why I like because it was it was my first of a time tracking uh, vocals, so I've not been doing it long. I've been doing it for about a year, so I sat in the car right there, like, oh no. Um, but yeah, I was sat in the car right there, like absolutely shitting my pants to be honest, like going, what if I just fuck up? And the producer's like, hey, shit, get him out of here. That's funny. My my, I'm not gonna name names there, but I played with someone who would sit in his car for a good 10, 15 minutes before going into the studio and contemplate leaving for that exact reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So obviously, like, um, you know, you've done your bands, you've got the podcast. What would you say is the like a biggest achievement today for you? Um, it can be anything that you've done in life. You know, I got two good kids, so you have to say that. Uh, I've yeah, been with my point. wife. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been with my wife since 2002. Uh, very lucky to have met her. Just, just you know, she helped me grow into such a, you know, mature and she's she's very wise and good at putting all of my crazy ideas into the right pathway. She, I, I just spew ideas all the time. That's just how my brain works. And uh, she catches the good ones and makes them work. So, so I think I'm really, really happy about accomplishing the fact that we've stayed together for so long and have worked together. It sounds like you're yeah, a real power couple. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're working really hard to, to do stuff. You know, obviously I'm proud. I was proud the day that we played Vakken. That was like something that I wanted to do for my entire life. And then of course, there was the whole lead up to getting there and we were late and it was a nightmare. I'm brushing my hair and warming up in the van and we're like driving there and there's a guy in a four wheeler that's like t ripping us through and we like get on stage 
right as we're supposed to play and we we're like please can we switch slots and they're like no you must play so so we, we, <laughs> we get there somehow flo's kid is like miraculously like just about perfectly put up because he has like an intricate setup for his kid as most drummers yeah. do and i step out on stage and i'm holding a sure microphone and they open the mic the 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 curtains and i'm like i'm endorsed by sennheiser i'm like whatever here we go <laughs> so that, that was crazy. crazy yeah I'll so that like, was stressful <laughs> I was going to say, like, sorry, go for it, Brad. Nathan, sorry. Um, no, like, this is how it just went into it. Like, you just automatically on stage straight away. Like, I can't, I can't do that. I feel like I'm so like underprepared. But did it all go like smoothly then? Despite oh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good set. Yeah, and you can see if you watch it on YouTube, you can see that we we the guys had the scrim set up on the side, but they weren't brought out and like just things like that. So, so you know, moments like that. Um, the podcast, you know, like when when Heavy Montreal, which is Montreal's like premier metal promoter, stepped on and started presenting the episodes. That was a big moment, especially because when I launched the podcast, I was at Heavy Montreal in 2018. And I was like, next year, I'm going to be here as a media. And then the next year I was there as a media. And then I was like, I'm going to eventually like work with them. And then the year after I did. So little things like that. I'm trying to I'm sort of a person that is never satisfied. I always want more, um, don't really relish victory. So it's like become like a, a mental uh, goal of mine to to cherish each accomplishment. So so things like that really has been awesome. Um, signing to Sound Talent Media was super cool too, basically like a record label for podcasts. Uh, the Punk Rock NBA is on there, the Tone Mob, uh, Doc Coyle, the X-Man with Doc Coyle, which is one of the podcasts I listened to when I started thinking about having a podcast. So, so just having that home, I was very stoked about that. I signed my first sponsor, uh, Things, just these little things like that. And I'm in the currently, when, when is this episode going to come out? Because I'll talk about something or not. It will probably be out next, next week. Friday. Next okay, Friday. So I won't talk about it. I'm organizing this super <laughs> amazing, huge project right now that, you know, spurred it. It came to life four weeks ago at this point, and now there's over 250 people involved. It's insane. Uh, I can't imagine that this is happening, but it's it's really really cool, and I'm excited to announce that. Um, you know, when I signed my first record deal with Three Mile, that was a big moment for me. Uh, getting into Cryptopsy was a big moment for me. Um, there's there's always you know getting my first beer collab I was so excited about that there's all these moments that that you know when when Henderson Brewing made me my devastation on the nation beer it was a black lager it was for, it was for because I was organizing craft beer parties because I was the sponsoring devastation on the nation which never happened but they still brewed the beer and sent me some it was delicious and then uh, Vox and Overhops which is Overhop Canada here in Montreal, they they brewed a beer for me for my second anniversary. I was super stoked about that. The Felmatar brewed my first year anniversary when I interviewed Lord Worm live at Turbo House. That was another moment that was just like, I'm gonna have a live interview and people are gonna come. And it was packed, you know? So, so just these like little increments of things, of successes that, that just excite me and uh, make me proud. And I, I just try to just keep cherishing them and but yet still always looking forward trying to Trying, trying to grow, trying to uh, spread positivity. It's always about spreading positivity uh, in a world full of shit, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's important to always stay hungry as well. Like, you know, you said uh -huh. that you, you relish every achievement, but you always want the next thing, which I think even no matter what you do, whether you're a creative person, whether you're a musician, whether you do video editing, like anything like that, um, it's just important to just always 
look for the next goal. Yeah, it's, so, a, yeah. it's a good mindset to have. It's definitely yeah. a good mindset to have. Um, obviously, we all know that you love craft beer. Um, what was your first experience with craft beer? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. What was your first beer? Oh, my first beer, this this is this I remember. Uh, there's two early memories of beer. My, my earliest memory, I, I mentioned on the podcast a few times, is uh, I was walking home from uh, elementary school. It was can- in Canada. It was cold. I was wearing uh, these, like, knitted mittens, and I picked, I, like, knocked over some beer bottle, which was next to the Dairy Queen, which is, like, a uh, ice cream shop. And and it spilled on my hands, this, like, leftover nasty beer, big, big corporate beer, Molson, I think it was, or something, or Labatt. Or, and I remember smelling it. It smelled so bad. And I was like, oh, how can anyone drink this? It's disgusting. My dad never drank, right? My dad still doesn't drink. He doesn't get it. Um, his dad wasn't, it's not because his dad was involved too much in it. He enjoyed his whiskeys and scotch. He's Scottish. So um, that came with that. Um, my mother never drank, but her, she came from a family of addiction. So, so it was more tied to that. Um, and then in high school, of course, you go to the party. And finally, we, we get this cases of Lucky Lager, which is doesn't exist anymore. And we had this party. I was in grade nine or grade 10. I can't remember. So so I was probably like 16 or 15 years old when I really got drunk for the first time. And we got wild. It was a crazy night. Super fun party. It tasted horrible. I remember the next day my friend woke up and he had cereal and he used beer as the milk. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mike Ramsey. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that was a wild night. That was that was really fun. But then, you know, beer became just something like a utilitarian thing to have a good time to, to uh, you know, unleash. I was a very emotionally tightly wrung, very shy in high school, but extremely self-conscious um attention seeker but i didn't know how to do it or how to get it so i would just sort of be whiny i i wasn't cool i i didn't uh do well with the ladies i always was the best friend route which didn't help with my whole self-esteem <laughs> either so so i i would get drunk and then become a bit of a like a whiny pathetic person for a while but then i found fun i, I got into a band and then that changed a little bit and i had like a group of gang of guys that we were really tight and we would drink beer we would take uh, giant bottles of like gatorade with the big open mouth hole and we would burn a hole in the bottom of it so you could put your thumb over it and shotgun these beers but we would shotgun like three four beers at a time and then just puke but like keep a bit of it you know but we would get really drunk really fast i <laughs> highly high we called it head rushing Highly do not suggest people doing that, but it was lots <laughs> of fun, lots of fun. So from there, that was like still shitty beer. Uh, my first good beers really started uh, when I was touring with Cryptopsy. Um, I was playing the Masquerade in Atlanta, which has morphed into a different Masquerade, but the original Masquerade in Atlanta. And there's this little convenience store around the corner. Me and Chris Donaldson went, this was in 2008, and uh, picked up some Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and uh, Blue Moon because he remembered these because Lord Worm. I had fucking love Blue Moon. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm more on the Sierra Nevada train. They're that hoppy bite. And uh, picked those up. Drank this. It's the Sierra Nevada really that really like caught me. I was like, what is this profile? What is this taste? That came back home, and then I moved out of my parents' house with Jessica my wife um, back in 2009 and 
there was this mix pack from Santa Claus. I'm actually wearing the shirt, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> so, so they're not craft, but I love them to death. I've had them on the podcast because of this exact reason. Um, there was this 12 pack that had uh, three different beers and then it had an apricot ale. So out of the 12, there was three apricot ale. So I would walk into the house with a 12 pack of beer every night, just about. And I would tell my wife, I was like, oh, but don't worry. I got you the, the apricot ale beer. So it was like sort of like this. <laughs> you can't get mad at me. I bought it for you. <laughs> and then I would plow through a bunch of beers. This is back in the day. I didn't have any responsibilities. And uh, there was this particular beer. It was their pale ale. And it had like a weird soapy hoppy bite that I just loved. And it was the hops. So, so from there, that grew. It grew. Unibrew is a big thing over here. They have super metal uh, labels and they're like 9%, all Belgian-inspired brews. That really changed a lot for me. And then there's a particular beer, in, in, in which is the Yakima, sorry, the Le Castel Yakima IPA. And that is a, I bought it because it was biological. It was bio, and I thought that would make it healthy for us. And <laughs> once again, my wife wouldn't complain. And uh, it had this perfect west coast ipa feel and that changed everything that was like and then i wanted to taste everything and from there that was in 2013 and 14 maybe and then from there it just didn't stop and i was inspired heavily from yuri raymond who's from unhuman he was in cryptopsy for a year or so intermittently uh, between members leaving and coming back there but uh, he was hugely influential on both my vocals and my craft beer palette absolutely I think like my first experience, because I mean, when I first started like drinking out, I'd never really liked beer. Like, you know, I'd only have really bad beers. Um, so stuff like Stella, which just tastes like piss. It's just the mm. worst thing. Um, but then someone said, you should try it again. You know, I was a bit older then, maybe like 18. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, so I had like Budweiser and that was like my first introduction, but it wasn't obviously a craft beer. It was just getting me in slowly into it and then i think a few years later i was like right okay let's see let's see what else they've got so um a brew dog uh oh, yeah. was like my first oh, one because that's that's one that's always everywhere like most bars that you go to will always have punk ipa on tap um so i thought i'd give that a go like that and then i tried blue moon which to be fair blue moon is one thing i've tried so many craft beers but that's still one of my favorites because it's just so smooth you've got the orange taste to it it's delicious mm -hmm. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with craft beer since then. Like it's just one of my favorite things to drink. Um, I got into stouts about half a year ago. Um, it's like the salted caramel and the chocolate ones. Like it feels like it's like a nice drink to have after you've eaten like your tea because it's like a nice dessert. But mm -hmm. no, they're really delicious. Um, what about you, Nathan? What was your like first introduction? So to like to drinking or like craft beer? It's craft beer. Um, probably, probably when I started watching Vox and Hops. To be fair, um, oh, that's cool. <laughs> because the the thing is with me, I I've always had like a bit of a weird relationship with drinking. I've never been too fussed. If something tastes nice, I'll have a lot of it. Um, so I didn't really drink a lot. Um, and the stuff I did drink, I I hated. So I don't like spirits for one. I, I really hate spirits. Um, I could only drink spirits if they were mixed with something. Um, uh -huh. Beer, the one I had, like, always had really shitty beer, right? You know, like, your standard, like, you go to Tesco and you, you take it off the fucking shelf, like, it's sort, sort of stuff. Um, so I started watching Vox and Hops and he was recommending loads, loads of different beers. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this, you know, like, craft beer stuff a, like, a shot. So I went into my local shop and, like, right, I'm going to just look for some craft beer. And I saw Brewdog on the wall, but it was Hazy Jane. 
mm-hmm. um, and to this to this day that's my favorite beer um so i tried that and then it just kind of sent me on a spiral um so yeah me and brad are, are kind of like snobs when it comes to beers now <laughs> like we won't go back to the you know the budweiser or anything like that because let's face it like craft beers just way better (laughs) and the hazier the better yeah i'm all about the haze i love it i love it but it's it's, you know there's a beer for every situation such as right now because mine is empty i need to restock (laughs) i'm gonna grab it from the fridge i'll be right back yeah no worries i've only got one left yes my my stout left yeah same I, i i feel like the um I feel like it's gonna it's gonna hit me at some point because I've been drinking some of these like French beers that my mum bought um through the day. Um, I, think I think I'm on like my my fifth or sixth beer. <laughs> what what um what brewery is it? I don't I can't remember. I have to tell you. Yes, I'm switching gears. Mad Haze here. This is uh Ooh. I, I, lo- I love, I love that can art. Yeah. yeah, this is Brewski, uh, double dry hopped. IPA. I was there yesterday because we are brewing uh, a collab, which if this is coming out next week, it will be the week after. Thursday after, we're doing a, we're doing a beer together, so, so I'm stoked with that. I was there yesterday oh, okay. brewing with them. Can we, like, can, you, can I order from the UK? Like, or is it just shipping in, like, kind no, of... No, it's illegal to, to, uh, to, to ship beer internationally. Oh, okay. That so I really can't good. encourage you. I can't encourage you to do that, but some people might send you snow globes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Is it like? Has it got any fruity taste to it? Like any passion fruit or? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, mango oh, yeah. going on here. Ooh, they have this like unique like yeast taste brewski. I really really like it. This is a hopped with Talus, Belma, and Strata, which are strange hops. They're not common. Uh, all these new experimental hops it's super cool uh their brewer uh derek very cool very smart individual and zach two uh cool people we had a good day yesterday i'm very stoked about it. we're doing a a fruited sour uh, they have a they call it brew juice so it's basically they take like a a sour base brew and then they add f- fruit puree to it and they call it brew juice so obviously if you're going to team up with vox and hops it's going to be called brutal juice that's so cool. That's a great. Name. <laughs> it sounds like super refreshing as well. It's it's, gonna, it's amazing. It's like tart. These... I have not. No, I'm milk stout. Yes. Yeah. This does uh, kill my tummy. I'm I'm a I'm a vegan, so I'll drink beer with lag, lactose. But they they keep. That's what makes me. I'm I'm a bad vegan, but um, <laughs> it kills my tummy the next day. Just the nastiest farts but it's worth it for the beer <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so i know this must be like a very hard question for you but we're gonna lay it on here anyway um what's your favorite craft beer and why is there anyone that just takes the throne for you or can you not choose i think it's so hard nowadays because nobody has a flagship anymore there's there's like styles that i like and then like there's no but you can't have like because these guys they make like they put out like I think 80 beers last year or something. Oh, wow. You know, back in the day, a brewery would like make a beer and they'd be like, this beer is good. And then they would work for the rest of their life making that beer and then making that beer just a little bit better. But it was basically the same beer. Nowadays, it's always different. So, so it's hard to pick just one. I like hazy IPAs. I'm really into it. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
really into barrel aged coffee stouts. I really, really like that style. I like so, that so as like, well. So like, if I had to pick my favorite of that, you know, like, of, like there's a classic one from from Montreal called uh, Peche Mortel from uh, Dieu du Ciel, which is it's pretty much available across the globe because they do this international day called uh, uh, Peche, and Peche Mortel means the the unforgivable, the ultimate sin. It's like a Bible reference. Uh, it's it's basically when 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 uh, Eve ate the apple from the snake is is what that is. So so they have this day where all across the globe, in in pubs across everywhere, and I'm sure there's one close to you guys, uh, where they have Peche Martel on tap. So so it's a huge brewery, but it's so good. And they just had the the bourbon version come out. It was so good. Yeah, but uh, that would probably be one of my top top five beers for sure mm. especially in bourbon mm. that sounds super yeah. awesome um one thing that you always ask like some of your guests on fox and hops is the best or funniest tour stories so we thought it'd, do, it'd be interesting to ask you what your funniest tour story is we have the horror story i like the horror story one um we were we were with yuri yuri was in the band it was in 2009 we were doing the european tour and and the whole tour itself is a horror story. So so we order these shirts. I won't name from what company. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that it's not their fault. The people that were running stuff in the band at that point were not the sharpest. So and no offense if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but there was a typo on the shirt where European. There was no A. There was double E. So it was like P. Like urinating European. That was part one. So we get these shirts. And then we we get there and we're in this little shitty sprinter van, uh, sleeping on the bunks and the floor, like no bunks, just like on the benches. Um, we had some merch girl that over there and she was useless. No offense, feels Boss calling out everyone here. <laughs> and 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 there's this guy that's driving us. He was amazing. I, I've met him since then. I believe his name was Martin. He was really cool. He actually showed me the band. That's actually the UK band, Sixth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He showed me. He showed me them. Uh, that the bland, bland something something album. It's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna listen to that later. I haven't listened to it a long time. Uh, and uh, he had this friend with him that was there, just there with us. So the first gig, the kid is high on something. We don't know what, but he's taken <laughs> something. And he's crazy, and he's partying and drinking, and we we like to party, so we're it's okay. But we, we get to this hotel room that we get to lie down in for X number of hours, as it is on tour. Yeah. And um, the guy, I draw the short end of the straw, and I end up having to share a bed with this guy. And and he keeps <laughs> screaming, and he was German. He keeps screaming in German in his sleep, and I'm like. Oh. You know, I can't sleep. And then I'm like, if he touches me one more time, and he's like kicking, I'm, I'm getting out of the bed. I'm going to lie on the floor. I don't care. So he touched me. I lie on the floor. And the next morning we wake up. The kid had pissed himself. The whole bed was oh, just really? stopping and pissed. So I'm so happy that I didn't get sleep in the bed with him. So so that's that's level one of this. The, there was like the silver lining of this whole tour was that we were going to go play in the Ukraine mm-hmm. at um, this, I think it's called Metal Missions Festival. Uh, and it's like at the beach, it's beautiful. Uh, we were supposed to be there like a whole day, a day off. 
uh, hanging out at the beach, just enjoying ourselves. Of course, we, we, we drive after the last German gig for like five hours, I want to say, in this shitty little van again. And we get to the airport and there's this whole like, oh, well, you have to pay X amount of dollars extra because you have too much over. So the Europe, the Ukrainian promoter is supposed to pay this. So so he doesn't want to. So there's this back and forth. We end up sitting at the airport for like six hours, just on the floor, just waiting, waiting. And then finally, it's like, no, okay, I found another company that will fly you and there's no over, but you have to go back to the city that you were in the night before. The van is gone, everything. So he, we rented limos and crawled into limos with all of our gear, drive back. This is our day off that we're supposed to be at the beach. <laughs> get Finally get into the airport, finally land in the Ukraine. And it's it's like 1230 at night. We, we, we get to, uh, we walk out and there's this man standing with a sign that says Cryptopsy. So, so we go to him and we try to communicate with him. He speaks no English, no French, no, he speaks Ukrainian. So, so we don't speak Ukrainian. So it was like, okay, we're going with this man. Uh, there was no like handler there. Like typically there's like a tour manager or handler that would be there to like greet us. Not that, that night. So we, we, he drives us in the dark into this like commune <laughs> and we were like, we're going to die. This is, this, this is the end of our lives. And we, we get to this hotel. Luckily we didn't die. The, the person I was sharing the room with swears that he heard the door open. Someone come in. It was like right around the time that hostel had come out. So, so we had all these, thoughts going on in our mind finally we, we we wake up we breakfast we go travel even further to get to the beach area we see where we were supposed to be hanging out and it was beautiful and i was like okay well now we need to go play the show and they bring us to this room and they put us in this room and they lock us in and they're like you stay here so we waited there for an hour or so and then we're setting up and it's a disaster and then there's the army comes with guns on stage and like you play now and we're like, we played. There was a guy on stage with three nipples. And uh, this is the wildest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. This is all true. And, and and then we finally, at the end, went into the Black Sea because that's was, where the beach was. So we like, I'm going in the Black Sea. I'm going. We went to the Black Sea. And then it's like, we had to go. We had to, that was it. But it was no, we couldn't sleep there that night. We had to get back into the van or the cars to, to drive back to the airport so that we could fly to Russia the next day. So, so, so uncomfortable in the car. It was like, the worst. I was just upset and frustrated. And then all of a sudden, Chris's guitar soft case headstock sort of lands here. And I just put my head and it was perfect. And I passed it. Woke up at the airport. They dropped us off at the terminal. And then uh, we're waiting. We're sleeping on the benches as vans do as we wait. And then we get woken up in like a kerfuffle, like we're at the wrong terminal. Terminal. So we had to carry all the gear forever to the next terminal. And then we got onto the plane to Russia. And Russia went well and the rest of the tour was okay. But uh, <laughs> what a tour that was. That's wild. <laughs> See, I'm thinking of an idea. I'm thinking the vlog of suffering and you'd like, you should make that into a TV show because that is just <laughs> so wild. It's like every, every, every time it just like gets more strange. It's just <laughs> tough that every time. Wow. The European tour and the guy pisses the bed. You can't make that up. <laughs> at least, at least you saved yourself there. You, you made yeah, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the opposite to someone else, so I can't do that. <laughs> I think that's like the funniest one that we've had. Like, I think the second funniest was probably when uh, we had a uh, cytotoxin on, and they talked about lady fights. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I just yeah. watched. I just watched. I just watched that. I laughed. That was amazing. Did they talk about the one in the bus? Yeah, yeah. They yeah, mentioned yeah, well, like you guys being there as well. I, I believe so it was funny. aborted as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was aborted, benighted. Yeah, aborted, benighted cytotoxin in us. There's footage of this out there, uh, but um, hilarious. It's with Garrity. If you guys, they they better have said it was Garrity because it's amazing. Andrew yeah, Garrity, he's been on the podcast three times now. Actually, I've had him on twice as a guest, once as a live Thirsty Thursday guest. I love Garrity. He is insane. He's super fun. You should get Garrity on. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it happen. Garrity is priceless. <laughs> yeah, that'll be super awesome. So, like, obviously, you've, you've interviewed so many people, um, some amazing interviews. Do you ever get nervous before an interview? Like, was there, was there any band or member that, like, you're a super massive fan of that, you're like, you know, you, you're so nervous to speak to them, or you're just like, I'm chilling, I'm cool? Like, countlessly, countlessly and nervous and worried all the time. All the time, there's that little pep talk. I, I like go to the bathroom right before. It's like going on stage. I get that. I call yeah. it, I ask this question all the time on the podcast is, how do you fill the void? of that feeling of being on stage of, 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 you know, that goosebumps and the podcast is that, you know, like when I landed George from cannibal corpse. Oh yeah. That was good. And I, I know him and I know him. So, so, so we've toured together, but still I was, I was nervous and uh, he was awesome. Of course uh, that episode comes out in, in a week and a half or something. So, so super stoked about that. Um, that was one for sure. You know, Jesse Leach uh, from kill switch. I've been a fan forever. Um, that a lot of them, you know, people that you know, like Jamie Jasta, um, Trey Spruance from Mr. Bungle. Uh, coming up this Sunday, I'm having a chat with uh, Dwayne from Tomahawk. So, so I've been a fan of Tomahawk forever. I'm, I'm nervous about that, you know, uh, the drummer Dale from, from the Melvins. I was nervous about that. I, I'm especially nervous if I'm not prepared enough. So, yeah, that, I, was, that. I was super nervous for this one, to be fair. Like oh, it was like, you know, just, just, he's like trying to give me this thing. Like, you know, if you say that, yeah, you're more excited than nervous and you trick your mind to believe in it. Um, but yeah. So like the worst though, the worst is when the artist, the, the artist or the guest that you have doesn't talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't had that issue to be fair. Well, I, I think we haven't, we haven't like, there's been some, some cases where it's been like, you know, a lot of people being harder to like, sort of like cups of conversation out of than others. Like, you know, you just kind of have to like roll with the punches where it's like, okay, um, let's see. Okay. They're interested in this. Let's get them talking. So we'll just yeah. throw in like a question about that. That gets them like instantly comfortable. And then they just start just chatting shit from there, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> me and Nathan are like quite informal. Like, you know, this is not like a formal podcast. Like what's your favorite band? You know, what's your favorite time? No, no. Like, no, nobody we, wants to do those anyways. Exactly. <laughs> well, we, we interviewed a band, um, really cool band, Pale Face. Um, we had a great time having a chat. Like when we first started, they were like, oh yeah, do you mind if we like, you know, drink and smoke on the podcast? I was like, yeah, <laughs> you can Please do, do. You, you can do whatever you want to. Like, can you know, we just not record the beginning and we'll wait till you're intoxicated? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the interesting thing though. Like when, when we've got bands on that are like drank, We've noticed, like, you know, as it's gone on and they've drank more, like, they've started, like, having more of a laugh sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird, like, there's, like, a fine line where it's like, okay, Brad, if they keep having more drinks, though, like, I don't know that's, how. That's well it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the respect to the artist again, you know? Like, it is yeah. that balance of you want to interview a person when they're still in, because we all have, like, a public face, right? So, so I, and it's something that we've decided with the podcast is that I can enjoy craft beer, but I can never, ever be, 
at like a beer event or a public event and I'm intoxicated. Yeah. I can't be perceived as a drunk. And that's something very important. And that's what I would do with my guests. I, I wouldn't want my guests to be too much. You know, like the, yeah. they've, they've gone too far. So I, I would definitely edit an episode. Like I interviewed my bassist and we were both very drunk on that tour with Aborted and Cytotoxin and that, that exact tour. And I scrapped the whole episode because it was unusable. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, y'all like but it, I don't know if you listened to that episode, but at the outro of it, I put a snippet of the original because I re-interviewed him and we talk about the disastrous episode that never happened, that did happen. <laughs> And I included a, a snippet of the original in the outro, and it's it's ridiculous. But <laughs> we went for forty five minutes, and <laughs> what uh, we talked about, I don't know. But <laughs> no, I completely agree. Like you know, you got to be like merry, but like I wouldn't say it's an Nathan, right? Nathan, we've got an next interview. Let's just do like five Jaeger bombs before we go on and just get absolutely obliterated. Like he wants to make sure it's concise, but you know, it's always to have like a bit of drink. You know, you're a bit merry and just mm-hmm. having a good time. But there's definitely. The limits what me and Nathan would do before we go on the podcast. There, mm-hmm. there is, and it happens there, to me there, too. The, sorry, go for it. Oh, no worries. There is a couple episodes though where I think our first episode where we filmed it all, turns out the SD card had like been corrupted and it deleted the whole thing. And yes. all the way through that we were drinking and <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'm fine to go. And then halfway through the alcohol started hitting me and brother like, Fuck it, we're not filming it again. <laughs> we're not filming it again. We've, like, our first episode like three hours long. So like, wow, went, yeah. we're not filming the three hours again. So but that's, no, no, no. that's not the best one though. The best one was the second episode we filmed where oh, you were <laughs> where you were high as fuck. Like and all the way through it, you can just see like you just eyes. It just like you were dead in the eyes, and then when it like faded <laughs> out at the end, it just looked like your soul had left your body. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you some backstory on it. Me and my friend had made some brownies like the night before. Uh, uh, had some brownies. Um, woke up. I was like, okay, I've got to film the podcast today. I kind of feel weird. Um, I felt fine. It was just that the my it was still affecting my eyes. Like my eyes still looked very like bloodshot and like small, like and quite a lot of bags. I could function. I was just sat there like, yeah, yeah, talking about stuff. And it was before we started doing interviews, you know, we were talking about news and stuff like that. And I was just kind of sat there like, shit, I shouldn't have had them. (laughs) 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 There's times in the past, like before the pandemic, I would go to tours, right? I would uh, like in Montreal, very lucky, just about every tour stops here. So my friends would be on tour and I'd go out and I'd interview them. I'd always bring them to the same little bar called uh, Saint Buck. Uh, I love that place and can't wait to go back. Um, they're one of the first people like wrote me and they were like, "Just come, we'll hook you up with some drinks and just talk about the place." And I was like, "Okay, cool, let's do it." And I was already going there anyway, so it just sort of worked out. So, so I would like stack interviews. I'd like do three, four in a row. So the fourth one, I was always a bit more loopy than than the first one. So the, I, I definitely feel you on that. That we 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 got to be sharp. So. Yeah, no, it, it was one of those episodes. So Brad Wright all the way through was like crucifying me for it. Matt. I didn't, I didn't know they'd still be affecting me. I had him at eleven o'clock like, the night before. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Like, I was like, I thought I'd be fine, but turns out I wasn't. It was literally just before I went to a festival. It was just a test of what they were like, and turns out they were fucking strong. Oh, you speaking of news, to- do you think do you think this in the UK there's a fest happening in the summer? Yeah, uh, so yeah, 
Plus I don't believe is... it. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually think it's going to happen, to be fair, because like, the rate of the vaccines is going quite fast in the UK. Like I think our age group, because me and Nathan are both 23 and you're 22, aren't you, Nathan? 23? Yeah, I'm 22. Yeah. I'm 23 this year, but I'm 20. I'm 22. Yeah. So, where our age group, I think, is in May when we're getting vaccines. Um, so, if the roadmap that's carried out actually goes ahead, I think bloodstock will happen. But there has been a few lineup changes, which has really good to see that. Black I was going to say, but who's going to play this show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Black Dahlia Murder and Cattle Decapitation pulled out, which I was so good about. I've been looking forward to seeing them for ages. Um, there's one more person, one more like member. So it's Devin Townsend, which he is actually from Canada as well. So I really hope. That he doesn't get pulled out, but I guess it depends on how um, Canada's doing, how we're going to be doing, like if we can come, you know, get them to come over. But I'd, I'd absolutely love to see Devin. Um, but if not, I think they'll replace him with like a UK headliner, probably someone mm-hmm. like Architects or Bring Me the Horizon or something like that, which I'm happy with. But I do want to see Devin. He's amazing. I've only I'll, had the chance I'll... to talk to him once. Um, I was playing in this other band for a while called The Catalyst, and we. We're opening for Devon Towns. This was like in, with Tesseract, actually. Uh, we were. It was in 2012 or something, 2010, at that little the little campus here in Montreal. And the only moment that I was face to face and we could have actually had an interaction was in this tiny little bathroom. So I hate when people talk to me in the bathroom. So I did. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. And I. I. I haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate bathroom interactions as well. No, that was weird. And I hate when fans do it. So don't do that to me, please. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. I'm talking to the, the world. <laughs> you can talk to me. We're, well, I know you now. <laughs> no, I've had weird. I've had when people try talking to. I've had like loads of drunk people. Like I'll be at the urinal and they'll, they'll start talking to me. I'm like, dude, wait until we're like washing our hands. Especially like, if it's that like trough one with you know like the, the just the big sink there. Oh yeah, no, I I don't mind it as much if there's like the cubicle part because it's, yeah, it's yeah. like sort of okay, but when it's just the trough and you're like, it's weird. Yeah. It's just weird. I think I met Caleb actually. Um, I can't what gig was. We're in Manchester. It's probably before like shortly before lockdown happened. Um, it. It was a gig with Ingested and Bulvardinia. And I can't remember if it was an Ingested member or if it was Bulvardinia, but I know my friend Caelan was in the toilets, like kind of opposite the cube. He was like, it's like, hey man, what's going on? <laughs> like, he's like, big fan. I was like, why would you just not wait till we, <laughs> we finish? <laughs> no, that, that's that's Caelan, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that um, cup. Too. We had a good gig there in Manchester. And there's a oh, really yeah. cool craft beer bar right around the corner called The Knot. Ooh. I'm it was really, up. really cool. We had a great, great night there. <laughs> when you come back to Leeds again, which I hope you do soon, um, once the pandemic's over, um, yeah, we know some good places. Good, craft good. I walked around that that day. I I, I must have Googled because I was really heavy into it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's loads of like, they've only recently opened up though, where it's like, kind of like craft beer places that, that have just kind of popped up like me and brad decided to have like a bit of a beer crawl um before the pandemic and got absolutely shit-faced very <laughs> lightly what is cool though is that you guys have the hand-pumped craft beer so that that hasn't oh, rolled yeah. over here yet mm. the flat warm you know proper ale but craft that's not something that's trendy here at all and i think it's really cool and i had a I had, I, and that's when I interviewed Lynn from in, Ingested at the Knot, and I, we were yeah. drinking a pale ale, uh, hand pumped. It was 
really a cool experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I I think the thing is though with UK pubs, like they are like so obsessed with having it handcrafted because a lot of I've, a lot of people that come in naturally expect it to be like hand pumped sort of thing, like um, because everywhere you go, there's always the, the little pumps in pubs and proper ale. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I I remember first time I tried Hazy Jane on on tap and it was just oh. <laughs> it was the so carbonation bad. oh my god it has bubbles <laughs> I was sounded like this is so be- much better than out of the can it's <laughs> like a really nice place called uh, Head of Steam um, and they've got like a really big selection of craft beers but it's nice as well because they let you try a little bit of each one so I was just like yeah can I just like try you know 15 of them <laughs> so this has got like a little bit of each. You're, that, you're, you're that guy at the ice cream shot hey, can i just try the the peanut butter <laughs> peanut peanut butter cup ice cream please mm. yeah <laughs> i remember me and brad like started that like sort of like little bar crawl very optimistic being like oh we'll only, only have a couple we won't get really drunk you know like, it'll be okay and then like we were stumbling to the last one and it got to the point where we were just sat there and we were absolutely just out of our out of our minds, <laughs> like drunk. Like, sure. We were just sat there cuddling each other. I fucking love you. Yeah, I love you too. <laughs> I miss those moments. Now it's now it's with a computer screen and it gets so messy. What do you think to like Zoom meets up meetups? Do you think do you find that you're getting drunker doing them though? Because like, I find I drink I way faster. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I drink way, way faster. Is especially not the podcast is more like organized, um, but I, Thirsty Thursdays exactly, which I sort of spoke about before, but I'll do a proper introduction now. Is uh, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started inviting my friends to come hang out with me on Zoom um, because it wasn't annoying at that point, <laughs> and and you know we wanted to see each other and do something. So so every Thursday. I would invite my friends to come hang out with me, just people that I've toured with and then actual friends that I wanted to see. Yeah. And it was a huge hit the first week, the first two, three weeks. It was like one year ago now that this happened. And uh, I did like a European one. I did like different time zones so that I could talk to the most amount of people. We were like 30, 40 people on Zoom at drinking and talking and laughing and then I opened it up to the public, the the listeners to the podcast, and that really like blew. We were like fifty people for like you know a few months straight. It was crazy, and um, it just grew into this amazing community that is my Thirsty Thursday gang. Uh, in the middle of the summer, I went back to work, and they were like, oh, no, "You're going back to work? Does that mean that we're not going to do this anymore?" And I felt like this like pang of like sadness. That, that, that this is something that they needed in their lives. So I just kept doing it, but I started bringing on guest hosts. During the summer, I had Riley McShane of uh, Allegiant jump on as my first guest host, and I've had uh, all the members of Cryptopsy. I've done a bunch of other, and then in September, I like the world was like opening up much more here in Canada. So I decided to, uh, I would host the first um, Thursday of each month with a live interview with a past guest of the podcast. And then I would release that episode the week after. But it basically I, I interview like a past guest that I've already known very well. Like last night I was with Brittany Slays. I interview them for about 15, 20 minutes while the Thirsty Thursday gang watches. And then I open it up the floor and the Thirsty Thursday gang asks questions to the guest. And then all of that becomes a new Vox and Hops episode, which comes out the following Thursday. 
So, so I just edited and wrapped up everything that happened last night today. It was awesome. It was super fun. So I love doing this, but, but they keep hanging out every month, every week without me. This Thirsty Thursday gang. It's like basically going to a local pub. And uh, there's friends from all over the globe. There's people from New Zealand, from, from the UK, from Germany, from the States, from Canada, um, from India we've had sometimes, uh, from Mexico. And these people are all like communicating and they're like commenting on their lives. Um, I normally sign off because I, I work on Fridays. I like say goodbye at like 10 o'clock Montreal time. And they have after parties and they stay awake. I saw pictures of a dude sleeping on his couch this morning that people were capturing because they were up until four o'clock in the morning last night. It's it's crazy. It's, it's like a beautiful, beautiful community. But yes, I, we do find that we drink a bit more on Zoom things. And why is that? I don't know. I think it's that we're not interacting. We we Something that, that is true that we've realized that, but is that Zoom fatigue is a real thing. So the more that I, I do these things, I try not to look at myself because you're basically like talking into a mirror the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's exhausting. It's it's exhausting. And I have a friend, and if she watches this, I apologize. She loves to do these Zoom parties on top of me conducting three interviews a week and hosting Thursday <laughs> Thursdays. And I can only imagine people that like work in business and, and they they live on Zoom much more than I do. It's exhausting. So so I did one with her recently and I put the computer really far from me. I sat on the couch. I turned off my camera so I couldn't see myself and I attached it to the TV and I just sort of just tried to have like as much as a real conversation as we can, but it's exhausting. But I, I like, I finished Thirsty Thursday hosting the Thirsty Thursday because I give the floor to everyone and I moderate uh, and I'm, I'm spent. It's, it's, it's exhausting. Two hours for some reason. It's, it's killing. But it's also not you've like created this community though that even like you said when you're not there like it still carries on like it's it's like a tradition now for like every thursday so i think it's good that it's amazing and I, you know i know that and and i know that when the world is open they're going to travel and they're going to be friends like there's friends that have ships that have formed we we celebrated one of the members bachelor parties at a thirsty thursday we we rang in 2021 at a thirsty Thursday, we we did a Christmas Eve party. We had a Halloween party. It's 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 crazy. It's it's and and I know that when I go on tour, I'm gonna come through Germany. I'm gonna hang out with James. I know that when I go through Boston, I'm gonna be with Evan. I know that when I go through Texas, I have like a whole crew of people that I found and that that have joined and are helping the podcast from Thirsty Thursdays. It's incredible. Uh, I have the Brutal Awakenings playlist that is curated by a member of thirsty thursday this guy named jerry monk uh, i call him the vox and hops metal architect uh he basically for the past year has just every day been saying hey matt you might like this just sending me a band mm-hmm. and and most of the bands that i listened to in the past year are directly from jerry monk so in early late november i asked him to start being vox and hops's metal architect and he curates the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which every Friday he drops in the coolest, newest tracks uh, for each month. And we do a monthly playlist. And the playlists, like if you look at like December, January, they're like, they're days long. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're, they're all full of bangers. It's insane. I don't know how he listens to so much music, but he does. And now just now I've also like expanded the Vox and Hops crew. And I've uh, in the Thirsty Thursday community, uh, a lot of publicists hit me up about doing like music reviews. Uh, I physically personally don't have the time to do this. So I've encouraged some of the members of the Thirsty Thursday gang to either do video reviews 
or written reviews of albums that we love, and then that's going to be published on Vox and Hops. So the, the Thirsty Thursday gang is something integral to Vox and Hops at this point. And it's, you know, I could have like been like this marketing guru guy and gone to see some paid big money to some marketing firm, just like create me a community. And they would have never made what Thirsty Thursday is. So it's it's organic. It's true. We are we are like a, a family. And it's amazing. And just last week, I released an episode about Thursday Thursday for the one year anniversary, where I asked them to send me audio clips of themselves talking, answering questions such as like, what does Thirsty Thursday mean to you? Um, what have you gained from Thirsty Thursday? Uh, stuff like that. And I released that episode last week. And it was, I put it together, and me and Jess were listening to it. We were like, it was so emotional. It was like the day after a wedding, reading like all the cards. And <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. It's, it's 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 beautiful, and people all over the globe participated. It was so cool. I I know Thirsty Thursday is going to continue in one way or another, even if we can, the world is open and everything. It might become something less frequent, but I know that you know every people are going to come to Montreal. I'm going to go hang out with them, and actually, they're my friends. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Did you ever think, like, when you started the podcast, it gets to this stage, right, where you've got an entire community of people that, you know, join in every every Thursday. You've got like thousands of listeners and a lot of people that, in in like a a weird way, like sort of know you from just listening to you almost every day. Like, did you ever think it'd get to that point, or do you? Was it kind of like a, it just happened? Like, it just happened. It was important. I wanted to start a podcast because it it happened naturally. I was at home with my daughter. Uh, in Canada, like you guys in the UK, it gets dark really, really early mm. uh, in the winters. So so we don't watch TV with our kids. We try not to watch TV with our kids to this day. So then the days got really long. We just was working back at work. She'd come home late and we'd wait for her for supper, get the whole bedtime train rolling. Yeah. So I started listening to podcasts to like have because I'd listen to everything. <laughs> I listened to every CD that was out, you know, in my mind. So I started listening to podcasts and uh, I was like, this is really interesting. And I went to dinner with Jess. It was actually right around this time because it's Jess's birthday coming up. And we went out to her birthday dinner and I was saying, you know, the way that I shoot ideas and Jessica aligns them into something that makes sense. Um, the, the, that night, that night, the name Vox and Hoffs was created. So, so it's, it's, I never intended it to become something huge. I just wanted it to be something to keep me occupied because I saw what was coming in the world of cryptopsy and in the world of cryptopsy at that time in 2019, I knew that Flo had joined uh, Ultimas with uh, David Vincent from Orbit Angel yep. and uh, Rude Erickson from uh, Mayhem. And I knew that Ollie was joining Cattle Decapitation I knew that Chris had his studio, so he's completely fine and settled. But I had this like, what the hell am I going to do? Feeling. So this like fear of being left out, of, of being jealous of them. I didn't like that. So so I created Vox and Hops. And originally that night, we, we were tinkering with the name Vox and Locks because I got long hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vox and Hops is better. <laughs> and then recently we, we switched it to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. And that's because um, we've like been digging more into the, the science behind what is a podcast. Uh, Jessica's been doing a lot of research on uh, who listens to the podcasts. And as much as I am deeply in the world of craft beer, 
um, my primary listeners are metalheads. So yeah. I wanted to really focus in on that and focus on the fact that this is a metal podcast. I have talks with metal individuals while sharing a craft beer. So, so, and I'm not mm-hmm. trying to alienate the craft beer industry, but I primarily just want to speak to metalheads. I think that that's something that I've really, you know, as the podcast has gone, I've, I've experimented with talking with a bunch of people, but I'm, I'm much more comfortable. And I think that my listeners are much more eager to listen to conversations with metalheads. So that's why I've switched to the Vox and Hops metal podcast. Well, it's very smart because like, you know, you, you speak to metal musicians, like the majority of your listeners are going to be metalheads. But the fact that you've incorporated the craft beer into it is very unique because there's not anybody else doing that. Like, you know, there's obviously loads of metal podcasts, but someone that obviously integrates the craft beer, like you speak to breweries, um, you speak to metal musicians, like there's a lot of variety in there, but you appealing to technically two fan bases at the same time, even if the majority are metal musicians and metalheads. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's impressive. I'm expanding to to athletes next. That's what I'm hunting for. I want to talk to metal <laughs> athletes, but metal always has to be there. There always has to be that component that like, and you know, metal is so vast, you know. So yeah. a lot of people will be like, I don't, I'm not a metalhead. You know, you're the singer of Cryptopsy. You're too much for me. But I like Metallica. But that's that's metal, you know. So yeah, and, you know, I can judge them afterwards. But you know, I grew up on I grew up on Metallica. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like, 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 do you do you like you know like I listen to System of a Down. I'm like, that cool. rules. You know? <laughs> so obviously, like, yeah, we know that you love craft beer. We know that you love metal. Is there any like hobbies and interests that you have that people might not know about you? Like, obviously, you're quite busy. I imagine it's hard to schedule in some sort of <laughs> hobbies and interests. But like, what would you do if you weren't following in that stuff? You know what I really miss doing. <laughs> Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I miss just lying on my couch (laughs) and having a whole day watching Netflix or now I guess I'm on Crave, but whatever. HBO. I I, want to just do a day like that. You know, I need one of those days. I miss a babysitter. That's what I miss. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I was on like, I was on furlough for months. (laughs) For months, my entire life was that. I was there like, fuck, I just wish I had like, something to do and then like <laughs> shit happened and i was like i wish i could just go back on furlough <laughs> but that's touring too it's like i want to be on tour and then you're on tour and you're like i want to be home <laughs> well you know what's mad? I, ever since i started i started my band in like 2019 towards the back end of it we've not played a single gig because like the minute yeah. we got it ready to play a gig corona hit and then we were like fuck <laughs> so like i've never i've never played like any like gig or anything like that. my first proper band that actually did well like we actually stuck it like, i was in other ones but it just fell flat everyone le- left and i remember being sat there being like i don't even played a fucking single gig because this fucking virus <laughs> fucking show up you know i mean like... you will you will be patient and it'll I'm, be good I'm, i am genuinely play, praying that the uh roadmap actually does play out like the way mm. that I've said, because I'm like, hey, as soon as you get to the end end of May, I can now start playing gigs. <laughs> like, in Temple of Boom, it's waiting for you. Oh yeah. Well, well fun oh, fact, uh, uh, my first, uh, the first track from my band was mixed by the sound guy at Temple of Boom. Really? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, there's like it's like a cage. The, the, yeah, the sound room. Yeah, <laughs> my, my my mega, the, the Mallorcan king, I was talking about before he was there with us that night, and we were laughing about him being in a cage. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's, uh, that was a good show, though. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, no, it was I, hard. I, it was I, fun. It was hard. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, Temple Boom is easily one of my favorite venues in Leeds. Mm-hmm. Easily. Um, it's got a vibe to it. Yeah, it's got like that old, old sort of like, um, independent punk sort of like mm-hmm. vibe. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this was all just set up. Um, by a couple of guys that just wanted to put on some shows, and you can really feel it right around the entire area. It was yeah, all like sure. you know, do, like DIY sort of punk sort of like scene originally, and then came to metal later on. They're super nice too. Oh yeah, they're great. Everyone, everyone that works there, are great guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I think I think we're getting to like sort of the end points of the interview now. Um, one thing that we always sort of like um, ask every everyone that co- sort of comes on is um, what they'd advise someone to do that you know are just starting out in either music or you know like this, this is, I'm sorry this is how fresh this beer was there was a chunk of hops in it oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that in a beer no me neither I want to take a picture and send it to Derek that's how you know it's authentic <laughs> sorry sorry keep going I'm sorry yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, one thing we always ask is, um, what advice would you give to your younger self or someone that's starting out, sort of like, just starting a podcast or just starting a band? What would you kind of say to them, like, going, these are the do's of the dots, and just mm. try this? I, I would, you know, be patient, be consistent, uh, put the work in, because uh, no one's going to do it for you. Um grow a tough skin, um, be positive, um, spread positivity, and mm. and choose the right people to be around. Th- th- those would be key words right there. Because I was lucky. I was lucky to be, you know, Mike Marino, the Three Mile Scream leader, was an excellent person to have he sort of like totally built me up in the early days of Montreal metal. Me growing up, I had no idea what to do. He he really educated me very well. And then, you know, Flo and the Cryptopsy Boys really helped that. Having Jessica being the whole behind that, you know, not just the the metal mat, the human mat was super right. important. So so yeah, you know, patience, consistency, especially the podcast. Consistency, quality. Um, being, you know, solid, following through, not being sketchy, <laughs> yeah. and 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 being a good human, spreading spreading positivity. Mm-hmm. That 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 would be my 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 absolute advice for everyone. Put the That's work right. in. Yeah. Definitely. No, thank you so much. Like this has been an absolute dream for us to have you on. Um, obviously, yeah. like we said, you inspired us massively to start the podcast. Um. We probably watch more Fox and Hops than we've had hot dinners. So, you know, we'll continue to to support you. Um, can't wait to see Cryptopsy again when they return to the UK. We will be there. Um, thank you so much for having a chat with us. It's been awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I, I am Honestly. stoked. I'm stoked. And I can't wait to come hang out with you guys and go on that pub crawl. I'll oh, wake yeah. up extra early, crawl out of my bunk just for you guys. <laughs> and you guys can show me where to go drink some craft beer. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll show you the best places. Hopefully, you know, this time next year we'll be able to do this interview in person. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I would hope so. I would hope so. That'd be hopefully. super awesome. Um, yeah, we know yeah, we know the best places. So 
Yeah. Awesome. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care.